0: Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with lifestyle coach for moms, self care strategist, and professional hair and makeup artist, Jamie McLaughlin, as part of our 2021 Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Jamie, along with links to resources she recommends, and the various ways you can connect with her online all in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 357. This episode is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever because they're focused on managing and growing their businesses. They can't always spend the time they wish they could on recruiting. And you know, in this day and age, it's, we're all hearing about how difficult it is to find good employees. Well, that's why LinkedIn jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. Finding the right person can be such a challenge, especially if you need to reach outside your own personal network to find a person with the skills you need for your business. Now, although I haven't had a need to hire employees for my own business, I've watched my son-in-law and daughter struggle to find qualified employees for theirs, and a resource like LinkedIn Jobs can make all the difference. They can allow you to get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. You fill out a targeted screening questionnaire to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need. And then it's easy to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? and you can post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash tpw. That's linkedin.com slash tpw to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But if you are responsible for hiring for your business, check it out. That's linkedin.com slash tpw. And now let's get right into my conversation with Jamie. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Jamie McLaughlin. Jamie is a lifestyle coach for moms, a self-care strategist, and a professional hair and makeup artist, which makes me sad that she can see me on her screen as we're talking. (laughs) She is the founder of the Mac House Co and the host of the Unfiltered Motherhood podcast, which I highly recommend to you if you haven't heard it yet. Through her educational platform, Jamie helps women prioritize self-care daily without the mom guilt. She's passionate about helping women take care of themselves in the midst of a selfless season of life and truly learn to thrive in all areas. She's also a married mom of four kids, a woman after my own heart, and I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how self-care fits into making a life that matters. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much! What an awesome intro. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you here. It's it's so interesting, and we're, we're going to get into all this stuff. But there have been a number of conversations I've been part of in the last few months about self care and how important it is, and what it means, and you know how do we fit it in, especially in these days when so many of us are kind of cooped up at home with you know, the whole herd. So it's going to be great to get your insight from a sort of professional perspective, but also the perspective of a mom yourself. So I gave a little intro, but maybe we could start by you telling us a little bit more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think would be helpful for us to know as we get into this conversation.
1: Yes, definitely. So again, obviously my name is Jamie McLaughlin and she gave a wonderful intro for all the things that I do, but um, I actually started out as a hair and makeup artist. So I did um, hair and makeup for weddings and photo shoots and events and all the things for about 14 years, all the while birth and babies and breastfeeding and doing all the things. And hustling. And, you know, my husband would bring the babies up because none of my babies took bottles. Of course they all were just, they just loved the boobs. So <laughs> my husband would bring them up to the weddings and I'd step out, breastfeed them, go back to my event. Um, and so it was a wonderful career that allowed me to be close to my babies and, you know, have that attachment to them, which was great. But after, you know, I got a little bit higher in the number with babies, <laughs> it was really difficult to leave, especially for events. Cause I would be gone for, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours. It was very, very difficult. It was exhausting. You know, I was with the kiddos all week when my husband worked and then I was working all weekend. So it was like I never had a break. And it was after, I think it was when I was pregnant with baby number four, I kind of felt like this really, really strong push to be done with weddings and events, even though that's the only career I had ever known. I just felt this push was like, there's so much more. This is not the life you want. You know, I was really grumpy all the time. It just wasn't serving our needs. And so I made the executive decision before I even told my husband that I was like, you know what, once I'm off maternity leave, I'm just not going to take any more weddings. I don't know what that next step is, but I just know I can't do this anymore. So I made a public announcement saying I was done with weddings and told my husband after. And (laughs) thankfully he loves me and forgave me. And obviously we have a much better situation now, but what that did was it kind of created this space for me to like really evaluate what I wanted to do with my life and how I wanted to be at home and where I wanted to spend my energy and all of those things. And about six months into my maternity leave, I kind of just had this idea where I wanted to do something online, something a little bit more passive where I wasn't necessarily trading time for money. It was something I could scale a little bit more. I ended up talking with someone being on another influencers podcast and talking about what I did as a hair and makeup artist ended up making just a really quick beauty guide, which I was like, everything I know as a hair and makeup artist, I'm just going to put in a PDF form and see what happens, you know, because anyone I did hair and makeup on, they were like, Oh, you know, what did you use? I've never looked this good. And they were asking, you know, what foundation and what brush and I was always getting text messages so I'm like okay cool make this in an ebook turns out everyone wanted it and so it ended up flipping from an ebook to an e-course and so now I have an online course and what happened through that was it it started off as a beauty course and it, it turned into so much more than that because what I realized is that There was so much guilt and there was so much shame and women wanting to take care of themselves and wanting to spend time and money and energy on themselves, but feeling very selfish about it. And then there was just a big disconnect on what that looks like in real life, because you know, you look on the cameras and on the screen and, and everybody looks just flawless. And then you go to YouTube and everyone's spending 10 hours and $900 worth of makeup. And it's just, that's just not realistic for the everyday woman. And so I just saw this big disconnect of a lot of women not taking care of themselves themselves feeling really, really guilty and not knowing how to bridge that gap. And so what started as a beauty course turned into the confident mom method, which now, you know, and I have other courses too, but this is the main one that we kind of really introduce women to because it's just that foundational step in women's day that really creates a massive domino effect in the rest of the day. So that's kind of where we're at now. So this is what I do full time. I have a web class that I teach to moms and I have my podcast and I do lots of interviews and I coach and uh, speak different places and really just help women just kind of, I say ditch that mom guilt, but just really get rid of it and learn that it's not a good strategy for you or your family to put yourself last, that it's not sustainable and that it just leads to burnout. And that there's so many like quick habits that we can implement into our day that just infuse our day with energy and productivity and positivity and joy and all of these things. And so it's just teaching women how to get in really quick, simple, doable daily habits so that they do feel good and beautiful and not guilty. And they can spend time and energy and money on themselves without kind of that like shame and guilt cycle that I feel like a lot of women get into quite frequently.
0: Yeah. There's so much truth there and so much that I want to dig into with you. When we talk about self-care, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah. So when I talk about this, what I like to do is I'm going to actually read off the definition of what like the actual definition of self-care is. And then I kind of have a little bit of a different one. So the actual definition of self-care is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health or the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness in particular during periods of stress which is a great definition. But the way that I kind of shifted is that self-care is proactively making choices and creating habits to ensure that you are able to not only sustain your lifestyle or sustain the lifestyle that you want, but it's a really effective tool to push yourself into a space where you actually can thrive and you're not just being reactive in your day and you're not just surviving your days.
0: Mm, So that goes beyond just the... You know, making time to get a shower. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Although that's I part think of it. It definitely
1: is part of it. And I think the hard part is that self-care has definitely turned into kind of a marketing ploy for a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the marketing techniques or the the products that they're kind of pushing when it comes to self-care, they're all very reactive, not proactive. And so when I say self-care, it's really difficult, which is why I always try to define it kind of at the beginning of any conversation. Because when I say self-care, a lot of people relate that to, you know, bath bombs and wine at night and chocolate bars, which all are great and fun and beautiful and make us feel good and awesome. But the reactive. So, you know, let's say you do have a bad day and it's really stressful, and you're like, okay, I'm going to unwind and drink some wine. Well, guess what? You're waking up to the very same stress the next day. You're not actually being proactive. You're being reactive in that. And so, I really want to help people understand that self care is so much more than just bath bombs and chocolate. Self care can be. I mean, there's so many different levels of self care, and I talk about this in um, my web class that I teach, which is just like, I think it's like an hour and a half long of me just defining every aspect and how to do it and how to implement it. But really it's so much more. I mean, it can be yes. Showering and getting ready every single day. It can be going to therapy. It can be advocating for your needs and saying, yes, I need to go to the doctor. I need to get this thing looked at. It can be telling your spouse when you come home from work, I need a 50, 15 minute buffer. So you've got the kids and I'm going to go sit in the bedroom and give mommy a timeout. You know, whatever that looks like self-care is so many different things and it changes in different seasons that you're in, you know, your self-care strategies. I like to say are going to be different in your newborn season when, when you're freshly postpartum than when you are an empty nester. Mm-hmm. And so self-care, it's not, you know, I say it's not linear. It's not just one straight, like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to be healthy and great. It's something that's constantly going up and down and you're changing and modifying and adjusting and reading and reading your body and reading the room. Um, And it's just this level of awareness of what you need, knowing what you need and really learning how to advocate that in an assertive way. But then also once you receive that self-care, even for yourself, you're able to then give it to other people. And I feel like it's given me just this massive amount of like mutual respect for even my kids and my spouse and being able to not only you know, pay attention to me and what I need, but saying like, okay, I can see that my daughter's really overwhelmed right now. I'm going to help her learn how to advocate for herself and say, it's a little bit crazy right now. Can I go, you know, take a break in my room? So it's just incredible. And I I hate that self-care gets such a, a fluffy definition on the outside when it's just so much deeper than, you know, what companies, how they market it.
0: Yeah, I had never really thought about it that way, but it really is true. You see lots of, whether it's articles or ads or whatever, where people are talking about self-care in terms of, you know, come and spend your money on my product or my Mm -hmm. service because you, you know, you owe it to yourself and we can get ideas from that sort of thing. But I don't think there's probably any one size fits all because what would be nurturing for me might be Mm -hmm. different than for you or for somebody else who's listening. Exactly. I loved what you said about figuring out what it is you need at any, any given time that I always think awareness is the first step towards anything. First, becoming aware of the situation of yourself, you know, knowing yourself and what you need, and then taking intentional steps to get it in preparation to talk with you, I was digging around on your website. We're going to put links to the website and your podcast and all that neat stuff in the show notes. But I was struck by a couple of the things you said in your mission statement. You have it right there on the website. And a couple of the things you talked about in that mission statement is part of it is to change the culture of our homes by focusing on the mom's mental health, physical health, and emotional well-being. And the second one that I really loved was to help moms gain confidence and style so they can show up as the best version of themselves without the mom guilt. I'd love it if you could give us a minute or so about each of those. What did those mean to you? And why are those two things specifically part of your mission?
1: Yeah. So the first one where we say that one of our missions is to change the culture of homes by focusing on the mom's mental, physical, and emotional well-being and health. The reason we have that there is because I think that, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with the saying, which I don't think that we quite put, we put the connection together when it's negative, but not when it's positive of, you know, when mom is not happy, nobody's happy, right? It's a very Mm -hmm. negative statement of when mom's not happy, nobody's happy. But what if we instead flipped it the other way and said, when mom is happy and healthy and thriving, and nourished and rested and organized and put together what do you think her household is going to be like? You know, whatever is inside of us is going to come out. It's going to come out onto our children. It's going to come out onto our friends, our relationships, our spouses, our business. And I think that women are taught, I don't know where this message came from, but society has given moms this message that, you know, abandon your needs, sacrifice yourself, give everything to your kids and everything, 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 you know, it all goes to them and nothing goes to you. And, you know, the less you take care of yourself, the better mom you are. And the, more you sacrifice, the better mom you are. And at the end of the day, that doesn't serve anyone well. And it doesn't mean that there aren't seasons like that, right? And again, like that newborn season, that is a sacrificial season a hundred percent. So by no means am I saying, you know, go on the flip side and you know, totally abandon your family. But what I really want moms and women in general, and I guess humans in general, because you know, my husband is the same way, is that when a person is fully taken care of and they feel safe and they feel secure and they are happy and they are fed and their blood sugar is good and you you know they've eaten and they're in clothes that fit them well which are all things that are very possible when they're in that position they are able to then show up differently in their jobs in their lives in their parenting and in their marriage and so this is what makes me so upset that when women don't value taking care of themselves because they think they'll show up as a better mom what they're actually doing is they're not showing up as the best version of themselves even though they have good intentions it doesn't work and so I really want people to understand the power of actually truly taking care of yourself in a deep and meaningful way and what that does to not only you and your mental health and your physical health, but also to your home. I know that I show up differently when I feel well taken care of. And when I feel burnt out and overwhelmed and exhausted, I'm short tempered. I'm not patient. I'm grumpy. And my family gets the brunt of that. So I would just love for women to just flip that around and say, you know what? I am going to change the culture of my home, I'm going to do it in a counterintuitive way. And I'm going to start with me because I'm the only one that can make this change, you know, and if you want external changes in your world, it's got to start with internal. And so, yeah, that's kind of where that one came from. And then the second one is to help moms gain confidence and style so they can show up as the best version of themselves without the mom guilt. So the reason I have that there is because, again, I did hair and makeup for years and years and years. One of the coolest things is, and my favorite part of the whole process was the transformation. So all of my brides, I would do a trial run for their hair and makeup. And so, you know, a couple of weeks before the wedding, two weeks before the wedding, they would show up at the house because I had like a whole studio in my house. They would show up and they would usually show up with no hair and makeup, obviously nothing done because I was about to do it. And so they would come in and they would be super shy and like kind of like hide their face. And they would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And, you know, like we would just giggle. But then I would spend one hour with them and I would do their hair and makeup and I would turn them around and they would look at themselves in the mirror and something shifted. They were a different person. They would sit up taller. They would smile bigger. They would pull out their phones and start taking selfies. Not only that, but they would start messaging people and they would say, Oh my gosh, I just got my trial done. I was going to go home, but Oh my gosh, I can't, I look too good. I am not going to (laughs) waste this on my couch. We are going to go have drinks. We're going to go eat and nothing else shifted. Nothing else in their life changed. I didn't change their stress. I didn't change their jobs. I didn't change anything. I just changed how they looked. And I think that we underestimate the power that our appearance has on the way that we act. There's so much emphasis on, you know, beauty is vain and and it matters more of what's on the inside than what's on the outside, when in actuality, that's just not true. Obviously, we want to be good human beings, but it actually does matter what we put on our bodies and how we present ourselves. And so I want moms to understand that it's not vain. It's not selfish to want to look beautiful and feel beautiful and have clean hair and clothes that fit you. That's just kind of a basic thing that we need to make a normal that 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 is something that you put time and energy and money into because you can then show up as a better version of yourself or the best version of yourself when you feel that confidence and it's not about what other people think it's not about you know your looks to other people it's about what does that shift do for you how are you showing up differently and i can say that you know I'm a different person when I have a bra on, (laughs) I mean, like I'm going to show up different. I'm going to not be as embarrassed. I'm going to be more productive. And there's so much science that goes into that, which I go, you know, I I talk about that and teach that a lot about that, but that's, that's really kind of the gist of it is that these things are really valuable and important. And I think they're really underestimated. And I think that we can make some huge, huge shifts in our homes and our lives. If we just put some basic daily self-care habits into our day.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that here in a minute, but I there's so much good in what you said as you were talking about that. I I was thinking about how I interact with other people when I feel like I'm looking my best as opposed to when I don't. And you know, you made kind of in passing the comment about you know, the discussions about beauty is vain and it's what's on the inside that matters. And to a point, I agree with that. The problem is, what's on the inside has a harder time getting out when we feel like we, like we don't look our best. It maybe seems a little counterintuitive. But when I feel like I'm looking my best, I don't have to think about myself anymore. I can think about the people I'm with. A hundred percent. Instead of feeling like, oh, they probably think I look like a hag and and I, <laughs> I, I you know, nobody's going to listen to me or whatever thoughts you get in your own head mm-hmm. that way. We'll get into this in a minute, but I don't It's not about like kicking your face with makeup and spending tons of time and everything. It's just taking at least enough time to feel like you're presenting yourself well and that that you're not going to be so distracted by how you're feeling on the outside that you can't be the person you want to be with the people you love or even strangers that you come in contact with.
1: Yep, absolutely. I I agree with that 100%. And one of the ways that I kind of explain that is I love that you pointed out that when you're dressed and your hair and your makeup is done, you're not thinking about what other people think of you because you're inside matches your outside at that point. So you're able to focus your energy on other people. I love that you said that. And the way that I kind of typically like, like explain that to the people in my community is, you know, and, and I give this example when it comes to money. So a lot of times, like in the Christian faith, a lot of believers will think that wanting money or wanting to increase their income or, you know, whatever that is, is a bad thing. Right. And again, that's not biblical, but that's what they think. There's this assumption that money is bad um, and wanting, you know, to increase their finances. And so one of the ways that I explain it is, listen, when you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're broke and you have no money, what are you thinking about all the time? you're constantly thinking about how am I going to pay the bills? Do I have enough money for groceries? Can I swipe my card right now? You're checking your account. You're checking your account. You're checking your account. You're always thinking about money. Therefore you can't think of anything else. But imagine if you did have your account, which had money in it, and you didn't have to think about it, how much freer would you feel to not think about the money? And you would feel so much freer to be at lunch and be able to swipe the card and buy not only your lunch, but everyone else's. And that generosity would come out. And so it's kind of the same thing is that when you're not taking care of yourself, because you think that you're selfish for doing it, you actually are being selfish because it's all you're thinking about. But when you put in that, like, and I always say like it literally, I don't take longer than 15 minutes a day to get ready. Like max, I have like, I do a five minute face. 10 minute hair routine if that maybe 5 minutes and i have my outfits ready for the week and i just throw my clothes on and i do what i need to do and so it it can be super sustainable i'm not thinking about it all day cuz it's done it's out mm-hmm. of my head so i love that you brought that up because that that is a huge huge point that it is something that women think about and i think a lot of women don't acknowledge that and almost want to deny it because of this whole like selfish shame guilt dynamic
0: yeah I agree a hundred percent. And adding into that these days, one of the things that I've experienced and that I've talked with some other people about is the fact that although hopefully we're coming out of it soon for the last year, uh, as you and I are talking, a lot of us have been just staying home. We're not going anywhere. We're not able to do anything because of the the pandemic and the the various restrictions on on business and just, you know, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. And so it gets real easy to say, what difference does it make if I get ready in, you know, get ready in the morning, whatever that means. I can slump around in my sweats or my pajamas or whatever. And and that was kind of fun for about the first two weeks. But I realized a few months into it, I feel differently in dealing with my life, even when it's just here in my house. Mm -hmm. And so you've written on your website, and I think you've talked on the podcast about the importance of getting ready in the morning. And so I ask you, why does it matter whether for moms who have kids, those of us are staying at home, working from home, whatever, or those that are going out? What difference does it make? Why does it matter that we get ready? And what does it mean to get ready? What's kind of the like minimum standard for getting ready in a way that lets us go into our day confidently? I know that's sort of a compound question, but take (laughs) it where you want to. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it definitely matters and it doesn't matter just for moms or women. It matters for everyone. And and what's funny is that my husband actually stayed at home and was a full-time stay-at-home parent when I was getting this business up and running for about a year and a half. And it was really difficult to not tell him how to be home. <laughs> um, and so I kind of just had to let him like live and learn. Um, but it was, you know, the first couple of months, he definitely, you know, didn't get ready and and in turn, you know, the lazy bones were there and he wasn't getting as much done and he kind of very quickly learned that, okay, you still have to get ready because, you know, you still got to start your day. So, so the way that I explain it is I like to say that you want to start your morning off with a daily habit. that's going to have a massive impact on the rest of your day. And so I like to call this that like big domino, that's going to have a good domino effect in the rest of your day. And so, you know, there's lots of incredible morning habits that we can do, right. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do any of these. These are all wonderful things, which should have a place in your day. If that's in your season and your body can do it, you know, working out and drinking, water and eating healthy and, you know, um, fitness and all of these different things and journaling and reading and podcasts and personal development, right? There's incredible habits that we can start our day off with. But the reason that I emphasize hair and makeup is that let's say that, you know, you're wanting to lose weight or you've just had a baby, you know, six months ago, you still have that weight on you and you're like, I really want to start working out. I want to feel better about my body. That's going to take time to get those results. And what I find is that women and moms, especially they need quick wins because they need to know that the return on their investment is big. And so being able to get women into small daily habits that has a massive return on a minimal investment is going to give them that quick win, which is going to knock over that first domino and create a domino effect in the rest of your day. So you could work out and you've got healthy, you know, those endorphins going and you do feel good, but then, you know, there's going to take time to see those results. Whereas if you were to start you know, waking up your day, doing your thing, you know, your drink, your water and, you know, put your clothes on, whatever, and you do your hair and makeup that took 10 or 15 minutes. And instantly you have more energy. You're going to be more productive. You're going to be happier. And so it just instantly infuses your day. So I like that. It gives you really quick results and then it's going to continue on in the rest of your day. So then you can, you know, habit stack, or you can add other things or, you know, whatever you want the rest of your day to look like, but it just is like, a really quick win for women. And so I say, prioritize that. Make it a part of your morning routine. Um, do it before your kiddos wake up. Um, spend 10 or 15 minutes. Do it really simple. And again, that's what I teach is how to do it simply and you know what to use. But do it in 10 or 15 minutes. Underwhelm the process. And it shouldn't be just something you're adding in. Um, you don't want to add more decision fatigue into your day because we already make a million and one decisions. So getting in a way where it's habitual and it's just as habitual as brushing your teeth is really going to start your day off great. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a you know whoever any human, I feel like all humans need to take care of themselves. But um, one of the things that you said was during the pandemic, a lot of people were like, "I just don't need to get ready," and I think a lot of people fell into that. But the difference is, and this is kind of how you decide whether you're going to get ready for the day or not, or whether it's going to make that improvement. So for me, I don't get ready every single day, all the time. Like even on my days off, I'm like, you know, head to toe and glam. That is not my lifestyle. I have four kids. We're at soccer games, right? What I try to explain is that it's really important to know what is the kind of day that you want to have. If your intention is to fully rest, then that's not something you need to add into your day. Right. Right. But if you have things to do, you have to be productive or maybe you're in a funk and you want to feel better. That's when you use it as a tool. So I was the same way when the pandemic hit. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is heavenly. I'm going to be in my jammies. I don't have to pack lunches. We're doing nothing. This is, you know, we dug into it hard and we loved every second of it. But I think the thing is you just have to continue asking yourself, which goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of knowing and having that awareness is, is this serving me well right now? You know, and, and after I have my babies, baby number four, I literally took two, like two months. I didn't leave my house. I straight up was in my pajamas with no makeup. I just soaked it up and that served me so Well, I did not feel the need or the desire to get ready. I just wanted to eat everything in sight and just lay with my baby and breastfeed. And I just soaked it up. People would be like, Hey, I'm going to stop by. I'm like, sweet, grab me lunch on the way. You know, like I just (laughs) loved it. But then when it was time to get out of that, you know, season, I did when I knew, okay, all right, Jamie, you got to put real pants on now. Like we've (laughs) got to start taking care of everything else. Then I did. And I knew what habits would get me into that shift and shift me into a different energy level. So it's really important to be able to read your body, your needs and your intentions for the day. So if you, if you have to get stuff done, or if you're just in a funk and not feeling well, use it as a tool, 15 minutes and boom, now you've got energy, you're excited, you're happy, you're confident, and you'll step into your day totally different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's sometimes as simple as the difference between putting my contact lenses in (laughs) and not and just wearing my glasses around. It makes a difference uh, not only in how I can see, but how I feel like I look. I'd love to get practical for just a minute because one of the things your website said that really kind of got my attention was it says this, and I'm reading this from the site. Jamie has finally broken down beauty and self-care enough so that it is sustainable, simple, and easy to implement at any stage in life. And I love that because you mentioned earlier, like going, looking on YouTube and there are lots of like beauty vloggers and stuff who are showing you how to do your makeup. And I'm thinking, well, if I had all day, (laughs) you know, I could do that and, or thousands of dollars to go, you know, buy all these products because I looked them up and I'm a lawyer and I can't afford that stuff, Mm -hmm. Uh, either the time or the money. Right. So what are some tips maybe that you can offer for busy women who maybe want to up their grooming and and beauty game a little bit without spending a ton of time and money on it. They can get ready in the morning and and get started and go into the day confidently, maybe just one or two kind of practical tips.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I always recommend is the first thing is having your outfits ready for the whole week, (laughs) Um, getting in really, really good uh, preparation habits so that you can set yourself up for success. So for me, I am not a morning person. It doesn't matter whether I say it or I don't, or I try or I don't. I just, like, it takes me hours, hours to wake up and, like, be fully human. And so um, I know that about myself. And most people, the majority of people, are not jumping out of bed like they do in the movies. And like, you know, no, we're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> we're feeling it. And so we usually are not at our, you know, highest level of functioning first thing in the morning. And so, knowing that about yourself, let's just set ourselves up for success. So, on Sunday night, you've got all your laundry done. So, what we're going to do is we're going to set out, we're going to prep five outfits. We're going to have all five outfits, whether it's five workout outfits and then shifting into athleisure or it's just five outfits for the week, you're going to have them totally ready for the whole week. So that way, you literally Literally can wake up and not only are you gonna have them out, but what you're gonna do is you're gonna set them on your bathroom counter with your vitamins and a big glass of water. And so the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna jump out of bed, you're gonna go walk to your bathroom, you're gonna chug your water, brush your teeth, take your vitamins, and you're gonna throw your clothes on right there. So you have it prepared. So it's not another decision you have to make. The decision has already been made and it's just there waiting for you. It's like night and day. When I prep for the next morning, I'm I'm ready when I do not prep, it takes me hours. And I usually am not in that good morning habit where I'm like still on my couch and I'm in my jammies and I'm slowly waking up and my kiddos are coming and cuddling and I'm drinking my coffee. And then, but I look at the clock and I'm like, it's 1130 already. What the heck did <laughs> we just do? And so that's one thing that you can do to really set yourself up for success in the morning. And then the other thing is one of the things I recommend, which I can give you the link to share with them is I have a seven day hair care routine. and so. What I find is that women either wash their hair every day, which I'm like, oh, how do you have the time? That's crazy. (laughs) Or they don't, and it's just in a top knot every day. And so what I do is I teach a seven-day hair care routine. So it's just washing your hair one to two times a week, And it's just keeping up with that style. So for example, it's like on Sunday night, I have a a self-care Sunday routine where I take a really long shower, I shave all the things. And I'm like, I have a little movie thing in there. So I'm like watching movies, I have a wine holder. (laughs) Oh, it is like heaven on earth. But not only that, I am like nice and clean and tan and ready to go. And then I do a really nice blow dry. And so by the time I wake up on Sunday morning, my hair is already blown out. I just have to curl it real quick, which takes me 10 minutes, do a five minute face. And then for the next couple of days, you're just touching those curls up. And so there's lots of ways that you can kind of essentially plan ahead and set yourself up for success for those self-care habits. And then again, my course teaches like all the nitty gritty of like the products, how to apply it, what to apply, what you need, what you don't need all that jazz, which I could talk about for hours and hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you probably, and you have on your yes. podcast and in yes. the courses that you do, yeah. you've talked yeah. about it a lot. Yes. Well, I love those ideas. Uh, anything we can do to sort of prepare when we are awake for the time when we're not really fully awake. And yes. I, I like that idea of making those decisions about what you're going to wear and, uh, you know, some of these other things and just getting everything set up so that you can just sort of roll into it. Aside from the fact that, and I'm not trying to steal all the stuff from the course that you teach because you've got, you've got this and we're definitely going to put links to that for those who want to go deeper. But can you suggest in addition to that, any other tools you like or resources you would recommend for somebody who wants to learn a little bit more about that element of self-care, the the getting ready, the, the hair and makeup, getting myself ready to face the day kind of thing. Uh, in addition to your course, what are, are some other tools that you think we ought to look into? I
1: think there's just a lot of decision fatigue and people over complicated. And so what I've tried to do is point people in the direction of really keeping it simple and finding tools and products that are multifunctional that, that can be used for different things. So for example, one of the things is I have bundled these makeup brushes. So there's only six brushes. And so kind of the goal there is like, you only need these six brushes. You don't need all these things. You don't, it takes so much time to like shuffle through. And so I say, keep it minimal. So, you know, in your makeup bag, you should only have the makeup that you wear every single day and your six brushes, and that's it. And it because it takes time to go through that. And then again, you're making more decisions. Do I wear this? Do I wear that? No, like it's like a one and done. You've got your foundation, you've got your products. So when I'm talking about like multifunctional products, like one of the things is bronzer or contour, right? And so what you can do is you can, you know, have your, a tinted moisturizer or a foundation, your concealer, you know, a bronzer and a blush. And for your bronzer, especially if you just want like an everyday face, like I'm wearing right now, like this literally took me, I think less than five minutes to put on, But what I did was I used my bronzer for my cheeks and then I'm kind of tanning the rest of my face, but then I'm also using it as an eyeshadow. So it's just being really efficient with the stuff that you have and knowing that you don't need a million products to get the result that you want. If you really think about it, what is the difference between a bronzer and a big compact or that same color eyeshadow and a small one? like nothing. It's literally the same exact thing. It's just packaged different. And so it's just learning how to really simplify that. So I would say, keep it minimal, keep it simple. Just have your products, have your five minute face products, have just your few brushes that you have in there um, and know that you can, you know, use one of the other things. If you, you know, you have an eyeshadow palette, you can have a neutral eyeshadow palette. You can use that color for your cheek. You can use it for your eyes. You can use the darker Brown or the black for your eyebrows. You can use it for your eyeliner. So now you're minimizing what you have, but you're maximizing again, the results that you're getting from that minimal investment. So it's kind of hard to pick out because again, everyone has different needs. And, and I recommend a couple different solutions to that five minute face within my course, um, depending on what people want. So some people come into the course and they're wanting those mainstream beauty recommendations that I would use as a professional if I were doing your hair and makeup. So that's kind of one route you can go. Another route you can go is if they want really clean ingredients, then we're using you know a lot more natural and organic products that's going to give them a different look, not as strong as The mainstream makeup, it's going to be a little bit lighter. There's, you know, a a brand called Saint, um, which is incredible, and I love it. Actually, we can post that masterclass as well. It's totally free under there too, and it teaches you how to do a five-minute face with that product line, and it's all cream-based. So there's lots of routes that you can go. So just you have to really decide what is the end goal that I'm trying to get. What is the thing that I'm most important? You know, that I care about the most. Do I care about the ingredients? Do I care about the time it takes? Do I care about the money investment? Have a a low cost five minute face and they're using all elf products from target, which is actually a great line. And they're actually really pretty clean as well. So it just depends. It's kind of hard just to give like a blanket answer, but you know, there's lots of ways we can go here. I feel like I totally just sounded like I overcomplicated it, but it just depends on what you want and the solution that you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. I know it was kind of a loaded question because (laughs) I, as I often tell people, when you ask a lawyer, any question, there's only one, it's the same answer to any question you ask a lawyer. And the answer is, well, it depends. (laughs) Yes, Um, And it's kind of the same thing. I, I get that you can't recommend a specific product because everybody's needs are different. Their time is different. Their skin is different. All of that stuff is different, but it's helpful to kind of hear that. Do you think there's any value if somebody wants to not just, well, let's, let's talk about just like the makeup piece of it. If somebody wants to get a routine put together for their makeup, for a simple makeup routine in the morning, is there any value in, I don't know, going to a a makeup artist at a salon and having them teach you or go to YouTube and see what people do? How how does somebody learn who just, uh, and again, of course, we're going to point them to the course that you teach because you cover it there. But in addition to that, or uh, aside from that, How does somebody learn this stuff? I think it's really
1: difficult, which is why I kind of created this solution because I was the makeup artist. And so I was doing one-on-one lessons with people, which was wonderful. And if you find a makeup artist that you love and you trust and isn't going to make you look like a cake face, then then you're good. But I specialized in natural looking makeup. And that was kind of one of the things that women just knew by word of mouth that they were going to walked down the aisle, looking like the same human, just a better version, I and mean, that you know they're they're husbands or fiancés weren't going to be like, who is this clown walking down to me? Um, and so I did a lot of one-on-one lessons, um, which was really, really fun and really cool. Um, the hard part about that is it does get expensive with those one-on-one lessons and that you only get the information there. It's not like you can like rewatch it or like ask yeah. them a question after, but it is really helpful, especially if you want that one-on-one. I would not necessarily, and I, I feel bad saying this, but I would not necessarily say go into so like, for an Ulta, and ask them because most of them are not makeup artists. And if they are training, they're training under that brand. And so they're going to recommend that brand. And so they're kind of, they have a biased opinion. it's almost the same thing online as well. So a lot of times what happens when, when you go to YouTube, which is a great, they have tons and tons and hundreds of thousands of videos, right? You could totally go there. The hard part is really knowing there's a lack of transparency there because a big brand that all the influencers and YouTubers recommend is Tarte shape tape and it is this found or this concealer that everyone raves about and they're like this is the best and i use shirt, i'm doing my everyday face and i'm using tart shape tape It is the worst concealer. I would never use it on anyone. It is so bad. But because that company has a lot of campaign dollars, they're able to dump that money into these influencers for advertising to say, you know, use this brand, use this brand. This is the best product, even when it's not. And there's other things to consider too. Like the normal everyday person isn't getting Botox all the time and getting (laughs) facials and using these thousand dollar products. And so the product is going to lay differently on an everyday person than it would on a perfectly done up influencer on YouTube. So um, it is really difficult. So you can go to YouTube and say like a five minute face for moms and stuff. But again, for me, that was the hardest part was like a lack of transparency of like, are they recommending the products because they actually loved them and they used them on someone other than themselves? Or are they recommending these products because a brand paid them to? Which is one of the biggest things for me. I'm like, I don't accept any sponsorships because I'm like, I mean, you can send me all the stuff you want, but I'm not going to talk about it (laughs) or use it because it's all stuff again that I used for weddings on, you know, the grandma and the mom and the sister and and all the things. And and I guess one more tip that I would say is don't think that you have to have a huge makeup bag. I had a massive makeup kit. Like I'm talking like stacks and stacks and stacks of drawers of every color, every kind, everything. And for 98% of the events that I did, I used one little bag and it was Mm -hmm. all the same colors, one neutral palette. I had, you know, a couple light and dark of foundation and concealer. I just custom blended and I didn't even use all the things. So, you know, you don't have to buy into like all the stuff you can keep it super minimal.
0: Yeah. I mean, if that's your entertainment it's buying and trying lots of different things, then, yes. then, then, have at it, but, but it's not necessary in order to, to put yourself together. And that's true, whether it's makeup or skincare or hair care or any other kind of self-care products. I think a lot of it is just, as you talked about earlier on, it's the habits and the routines you set up matter more than the actual stuff you're using. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so much more I'd love to ask you, but we can't have this be a two hour episode. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you a couple of sort sort of general questions. This conversation we're having is part of the new productive living series that we launched this year. And on this podcast, we talk about productivity as more than just getting stuff done. I mean, getting the stuff done that's important to us matters, but we talk about productivity in the sense of making a life that matters. What does it mean to you to make a life that matters to you personally? I think to me, to
1: make a life that matters is something that I want to be super intentional about. And it's, it's me making choices and living my daily life out in a way that is living in alignment with me and my beliefs. And not only my beliefs now, but that I'm making choices that are aligning with where I want to go in the future. I think a lot of times people can live a life in conditioning like unconscious conditioning from maybe their childhood or childhood experiences or the way that their parents did. Um, And it's really important for me to live in a way where I'm Making choices, not because I have to, not because I was taught that way, not because my mom and dad did it that way, not because so-and-so did it that way, but because this is the actual life that I want to craft and the legacy that I want to leave behind for myself and my family and the things that I want people to say about me. And I I think it's really important for me to align my daily decisions with all of those things. And so for me, it's, it's living in alignment and knowing what that alignment is. And that's taken a, a lot of years of trial and error and mistakes and bad choices and being in bad situations and, you know, listening to poor advice and, you know, people pleasing and all the things to really get to the point where living in alignment means knowing who I am and where I want to go and what I want my marriage to look like. And, you know, the vision that we've set for our marriage and our family and our kids and future generations and, you know, all of those things. So I feel like that was a very long-winded answer.
0: (laughs) No, but it's great. So much of it echoes exactly how I feel. It it really is about knowing what matters to you and then making daily choices that reflect those things that matter to you, that move you in the direction of the life you want to live and and who you want to be in the world. Uh, And so I love that. That's a, a great way of saying it. There's so much that you talk about on your website and on your podcast about self-care. And I do again, want to recommend the unfiltered motherhood podcast to listeners, even for those of you who don't have young kids or who don't have kids at all. There's a lot on there. I was just, I haven't listened to every episode, but just I've listened to a few of them and looking at some of the titles, you know, they're on my list of things to listen to just because there's just a lot of great information there, uh, that all kind of feeds into the same, line of thinking of taking care of yourself matters and and mm-hmm. we could have gone a long way with that but obviously this is important to you it's a big part of your your mission in your business and in your life but and, and you talk about the routines you've set up and the habits and different things like that but even with all that and knowing what you know and believing what you believe do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed and if so what do you do to get back on track?
1: I love that you asked that question because I think that the expectation is that because I teach this, I've mastered it and I've perfected it and I do it consistently all the time. And that's not what this is about. Um, and that's not what any no one's um, self-care strategy or habits will ever fully protect them from circumstances that happen and stress. And I think the thing that we really need to understand is that stress is inevitable. It's something that we cannot get away from or avoid. It's something that we just need to learn to deal with in a really healthy way. It doesn't mean you're always going to deal with it in a healthy way. It doesn't mean I always deal with it in a healthy way. It means that I'm always aware. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that I am constantly aware and listening to what life looks like, what it feels like. I'm reading the room. I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to my mind. I'm noticing without judgment. I'm not, you know, I'm just noticing and being very mindful of everything that's going on. And there are lots of times that I, and burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed. And I actually, am going to pull up my phone because I, that's so funny that you asked, because I literally just started writing out a podcast episode on that specifically on why overwhelm is not a bad thing. And the reason I wrote that out is because overwhelm is the best indicator that something is off and that you need to make a shift. And so I think that we need to, instead of looking at stress and overwhelm and all these things as negative things, we just need to look at them as a neutral indicator that we, something is off and we just have to shift. So what is it that we have to shift? What feels off? Why does it feel off? You know, noticing patterns. So one of the things that I was able to do by being aware is noticing, you know, and it, it sounds very silly, but it actually led to a, diagnosis that I literally had no idea was even on the radar was noticing, you know, you know, there's lots of things going on, but you know, my son broke his arm and I was really panicky for like the whole month after, like I was having constant panic attacks, which is very unlike me because I I have zero anxiety and I'm just not an anxious person. I'm, I'm actually the quite opposite where I'm very I just do it without thinking about it. I'm very impulsive. We'll say that. So I was having panic attacks. So, you know, me and my doctor kind of got together and he was like, well, are you always anxious? And I'm like, no, not at all, but I'm a freaking mess right now. Like I'm not okay. Um, and so he was like, well, let's put you on anxiety medicine. And I wasn't really okay with that. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not anxious, but I am anxious. So it was kind of hard. And then he goes, well, maybe it's depression, but it's coming out that way. Cause you're just off. So we put me on, you know, antidepressants. And it was just this weird, like something's off. I don't know what it is, but I'm not me. And I don't know what that is. is it an appropriate response to this traumatic situation is it? I don't know. And so I was on antidepressants for about a year and a half. And it was just like constantly just noticing like, I'm just, I don't know what it is, but I'm just not me. I'm not right. Like something's not okay. And I just can't put my finger on it. And so after months and months and months, a year and a half of being on it, it just feeling like it wasn't working. I did a ton of research and ended up finding out that a lot of times women are misdiagnosed with anxiety or depression, but they actually have it adult ADHD. And that ADHD presents itself differently in women than it does in young boys. So traditionally, you know, when you think of ADHD, you think of a little eight-year-old boy bounced off the walls, acting like a freaking maniac, right? Mm-hmm. That is not it at all. And so with girls and with women, it's very different. So it's like a constant mental overwhelm. You like can't shut your thoughts off. You're always overwhelmed. You're sensitive to like fluorescent lighting. I mean, I have like a list of all the different side effects. You're very impulsive. You're bad with money. You're bad bad with math, you're bad with maps. Like it's just very weird. So it was like all these things. So I, after reading I was like, you know what? This this like I am this is me. This is crazy. And so I went and saw a doctor and I got officially diagnosed with ADHD and he was like, "Oh yeah, you're in like the 97th percentile. Like y- it's bad." And so we instantly put me on that medicine because we needed instant relief. And you know, weaned me off the other other medicine. This has been like a two year journey of just noticing and just listening, mm-hmm. and not dismissing how I'm feeling and not you know I'm challenging it and not making you know being making it negative. And then after a few months, we noticed that it's kind of comical, but it actually isn't. But the week before my period would come. I was just not okay. And me and my husband would fight. And it was like, I hated him that whole week. And it was like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Like I I'm about to sign some not so nice D papers right now. Like it was like to the extreme. And so in therapy, cause I was in, you know, doing all this in conjunction with therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy to try to get to the bottom of it. I got diagnosed with PMDD, which is essentially like a mood disorder, but it's like PMS on steroids. So very, very long story. All of that to say is that I have been in this process of like, just learning and finding and seeking and asking and looking at and watching and listening and making little steps here and there to try to get to the bottom of like, what is going on? And like, what can I do to serve my body? Well, and so getting these two diagnoses was so life-giving for me, because it gave me a reason why things were the way they were. And it could have easily gone down a very negative path of just like constant self-shaming and all of this stuff that I kind of did when I was younger. But because I noticed and I listened and I waited and I didn't judge how I felt and I didn't judge all these things. I just kind of watched and was like noticing. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to advocate for myself. I don't care you know, if this doctor judges me or this therapist judges me or any of these people, I need to get to the bottom of this because I can't feel like this anymore. Now I'm able to kind of isolate those areas. And, and now we can find ways to help me be able to not only get past this, but like actually thrive in the midst of ADHD and PMDD and help other women in that. So all of that to say is that I do have lots of overwhelming days and, you know, especially the week before my period is still really bad. And I'm like a different human the week before versus this week where I'm off of it. <laughs> um, I probably would have canceled on you if this was last week, but, um, and it's, it's funny, even my team knows, you know, the, the week before we kind of have it in the calendar a week before Jamie's period, she's just not going to get back to you. <laughs> so. All of that to say is that I do have those days often, but self-care is really just knowing that we have broken bodies and they're imperfect and we live in a broken world and we just have to handle it the best way we can and notice it and pay attention and be kind to ourselves and not shame ourselves. And once we can give ourselves that kindness, it's so much easier to give it to other people and have so much more grace on other people. So it really it really does kind of go back to my message of, I've spent a lot of time and energy and money taking care of myself this year, but it's allowed me to then pour that into my family and be kinder and more loving and more understanding um, with my family and my the people who work with me and my listeners and my course students and all that. so
0: yeah. You know, that's so important to hear. I loved what you said in the middle of that about that you didn't dismiss what you were feeling or dismiss the symptoms or any of it, but you paid attention to it and determined to figure it out. That is at the heart of self-care is deciding that who you are and what you are experiencing and what you're feeling and all of those things matters. Mm -hmm. matters to you, whether it matters to anybody else or not is secondary, but you need to matter to you in order to be able to do anything good for anybody else in the world. You know, I've often said I define a productive woman as the woman who orders her life in such a way as to maximize her positive impact on the world. And that covers a spectrum of things. And on that spectrum of things, is paying attention to your own mental and physical and emotional health. So it's a great illustration that you just gave of how that can play out in a person's life. Again, so much more we could talk about, but Jamie, where can people connect with you online? If they want to learn more about what you're doing, or if they've got a question about some of the things we've talked about, where's the best place for them to find you?
1: Yeah, so they can go to the Mac which is just going to be our website. You can just Google the Mac House or Jamie McLaughlin. Um they can go to unfrumpyourself.com, which is where you can find our free web class. And that's where I talk about all kind of all the things we talked about today, but like really in depth and like scientific studies and research and habits. And I go into like a lot of practical things. And I talk about some beauty stuff too, which is fun. So all of that, when you go to my website, or you can find me on Instagram at the Mac house co and then obviously, um, will be unfiltered motherhood podcast. So we're, we're kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, we'll be sure and put those links in the show notes. So if somebody's driving, um, don't wreck your car trying to write yes. this down. We'll have it all there in yeah. the show notes for this episode. Before we go, many and, and probably most of the women who listen to the Productive Woman podcast are looking for help and encouragement, maybe in getting things done and making a life that matters as they define it thinking about how self-care fits into that objective. Do you have any last words for the woman who might be listening and, and looking for that help or encouragement? What would you say to her?
1: one thing that, you know, you and I had talked about a little bit before we started recording was a lot of times people think that self-care is counterproductive, that it actually stops them from being productive or slows down their productivity. Or, you know, a lot of the mentality is that, well, if I have to stop and take care of myself, that means I I'm taking from other people and I can't, you know, I can't work or I can't be productive or I can't take care of the kids. And what I want to encourage you is, you know, the, the illustration that I kind of, we had talked about before, and that I give a lot of people is, you know, look at your iPhone or your Android or whatever phone you have, whatever device you have, you know, there's so many apps on it, right? There's so many ways that we are productive by using this tool, using this machine. And we are emailing and we are calling and we are shopping and we are taking photos and videos. And, you know, there's, there's, we're working from our phones and there's so many incredible things, right? And our phone is so valuable, but our phone is not any less valuable when it's sitting on the charger at night, plugging into the wall, plugged into the wall, charging for the evening so that you can use it the next day. I think that we need to treat our bodies the same, if not obviously better um, than we do our, our devices. Um, but we have to think of ourselves in that same way of that in order to fully utilize our devices or ourselves to the maximum potential, it has to be fully charged. It has to be healthy. It has to be protected, right? So if like your iPhone is walking around with no phone case and uncharged and you've dropped it a million times and the screen is shattered and, you know, you can't hear from one side and your camera doesn't work, like how effective is that? How productive are you actually going to be with that machine? Our body is the same way. If we're walking around without any kind of protection or taking care of ourselves, uncharged, you know, just dead. We can't use ourselves. We can't actually do anything. So it's really finding ways to make sure that you are plugging yourself back in whatever that looks like in the season that you're in and that you're paying attention to what you need, because that is the only way that you're going to be productive. You know, and one of my favorite quotes that's on the website and you know, that I talk about all the time is that if you don't pick a day to relax, your body's going to pick it for you. Like you you don't have the option to take care of yourself or not. You're going to end up taking care of yourself no matter what, but it's going to be when you're sick and you're unhealthy and you're burnt out and you're depressed and you're, you know, whatever, right? I would rather be really proactive and take care of myself in the fun ways by eating beautiful food that huge nutritious meals and going on walks with my kids and doing my makeup and going to Sephora and taking my 20 hour long showers on Sundays with my wine and my movies, right? Like that's fun. I don't want to be sick in bed. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to be you know on any more medicine that I'm on right now trying to sort my life out, right? So you've got to take care of yourself either way. So again, if you don't pick a day to relax, your your body's gonna pick it for you. so choose wisely um, and be proactive in the choices that you make.
0: Great advice. A great reminder for all of us. Thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I really enjoyed talking with Jamie. I am so thankful to her for taking the time to share with us her insight, her encouragement to help us make the most of our lives this year. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Jamie or for me about the things we talked about or any thoughts on, on the topics that we discussed? I would love it if you would share your questions or your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 357. Or you can post that comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, if you're a member there. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to hear them. You can email those questions, comments or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I will read and respond just as quickly as I can. Remember, if you are responsible for hiring for your small business or your company, Remember, LinkedIn jobs will help you hire the right person for your job. Out of the 40 million job seekers that visit LinkedIn every week, somebody in there is just right for the job you have in mind. And you can post your first job for free by going to linkedin.com slash TPW. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash TPW to post your first job for free terms and conditions do apply. But thank you to LinkedIn jobs for supporting the productive woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of the productive woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Jamie. I hope you felt like it was a worthwhile use of your time and that you found something there that encouraged or inspired you to move forward in your own productivity journey. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.